Okay, church, go ahead and give up your hands loud if you want to. People following Jesus, that's right. Man, remember last weekend, the two sacraments we celebrated as a Christ community, church, faith, family, or the Lord's Supper and believers' baptism. So, man, that was, uh, I, I love it, man. I've watched it multiple times, and you ought to just watch it over and over. It encourages you. Today, dads have influence. And we need to speak about that today. Some, some years I just really talked to dads, and I thought like this is one of those years like I wanted to come back. And so what I want to do is I want us to look at a scripture right across the top of your worship guide, and then I want to kind of do an opener, maybe a little different. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3, the word says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. You know, God has called us to build homes to build homes for his glory, to build Christian homes where Jesus Christ is the centerpiece, where Jesus is Lord. And this morning, I'm going to just talk about kind of seven keys to have an eternal influence, an eternal uh, impact on your family. But I want to start with something, dadisms. I want to see if your dad was anything like mine. Uh, Mine's been dead 19 years now, but I still can hear his voice. Uh, If you've lost your father, you probably still hear your dad's voice in your head. And, uh, and, and if he's living, you're like, hey, I have no problem. I don't have to think about it. I heard it this morning. Okay, so here it is. If, you're, if your dad ever said this, close the door, were you? Yeah, you heard that one too, did you? <laughs> Money doesn't grow. Here's my favorite. Turn off. How many do that still today? Yeah, yeah okay. Ah, you've never paid a power bill then. Okay, all right, here we go. Stop crying or... Yeah, where did that come from? That was so dumb. There you go. It's going to hurt me a lot more. Yeah, right. I went, well, hey, let me have the belt then. Until I became a dad and I understood it. I told you once. Well, I told you a thousand times. She said, I'm not going to tell you again. Okay, anyway, so variations. And then amazing, like, did any of that come up on the screen? No. You, you just know that. And we, we take it in dad school. You remember when we went to dad school? You remember how much fun that was? You know, you know the crazy thing, that the relationships that we need a lot of work in is called marriage, and we don't take classes for it. And then we become dads and moms, and we don't take classes for that. It's like, here, take them home. Who am I going to do with them? Change them, feed them, burp them, love them, kiss them, and quit sleeping. Okay, anyway. And, and give them all your money, and it's a good deal. Now, I got a, I got a question I want to I ask you this morning. Um, when do you stop parenting? Do you stop parenting at 18? No. You never, ever stop parenting. Our, our daughters will be, this summer, they'll turn 29 and 24. And I think I'm just as much a parent today as I was the day we brought them home. Now, it's a little different relationship, and I'm excited about this. But every phase, Don and I just decided a long time ago, we're going to enjoy it. Somebody tell me that about the church when we planted Christ Community 17 years ago. They said, enjoy every day. Enjoy the seasons of the church. And some seasons, granted, are a lot more fun than others. And in your life, in your family, more fun in some seasons than others? Yeah. Do you quit being a family? I hope not. We got enough fractured families. And one of our goals here at Christ Community is to build up healthy, Christ-following families. 
Doesn't mean we're perfect. Oh, goodness, you, you got a leader here, man. He's really missed the mark. I got a perfect father in heaven, and you do too if you know him. And we follow him, we follow scripture. But, um, but it's easy to get distracted from parenting, isn't it? I mean, you know, you just have so many demands on your time and things are going on and people are crying out for your attention and they want this and they want that and, and, your, and your job demands this and other things and activities. And if you're not careful, you can take your eye off the ball. You, you can, I've heard this many times. Well, you know, I've got a sacrifice right now. Kids are really young. And I got to get ahead because I got to make more money because we got to have more stuff because we got to keep up with the Joneses. I always feel sorry for the people that are named the Joneses, don't you? I mean, everybody's always picking. Why can't you say the Browns or the Waldrops or the Bills or the jo or Josephs or whatever? I mean, you just go, you know, hey, you got to keep up with them. But it always, uh, or, or here's what I hear sometimes. All right, we're doing pretty good, mama. Yeah, we're doing good. Let's put it on autopilot. Let's just coast. You can't coast being a parent. How many have figured that out? It just doesn't. I mean, have you ever noticed this? When you coast in a car, what happens? You're losing control. You're losing momentum. You're losing speed. You're fixing to come to a quick stop. So just write somewhere on the sideline of your notes today. Don't coast as a dad. Don't coast as a parent. I hear it a lot of times. They're just so young. You know, I just don't know what kind of influence I can have. A lot. Oh, they're just a teenager. What kind of influence can I have? A whole bunch. Hey, they're just a young adult. What kind of influence can I have? A lot. Hey, man, they're just 30. Hey, they're just 40. Hey, they're just 70. Hey, they're just, if they're still living, you can still have an influence on them. My kids still call me and they ask me for advice and they ask their mom often. I count that a sacred honor. I'm humbled by that. I'm glad I get to be a father. How many of you dads are glad that somebody calls you dad? Are you glad for that? Yeah, amen. I mean, that's, that's awesome. To be a child of God, number one, to be the husband of Donna, wow. And it'd be Rachel and Hannah's dad, woohoo! And to be Ramsey's grandfather, oh my goodness. And then to be the pastor of Christ's community, oh my God, ain't that good? Yeah, okay, yeah. To be your friend, you're my friend? Yeah, I'll be your friend, you need a friend, all right, here you go. Yesterday, I was not meaning to watch, I was meaning to watch, it was ESPN, and I got a spiritual lesson from Coach Vince Lombardi. Y'all know who Vince Lombardi is? Greatest football coach that's ever lived. He won all these championships in the Super Bowls in the 60s. He died in, in 70. And Vince Lombardi was a, just a phenomenal coach. And I was sitting there kind of watching this thing about his life yesterday. Maybe some of you dads saw it. I don't know. And man, there was this one line. And I said, I got to remember that for tomorrow. It was too, too good. He says, gentlemen, we're going to go for perfection on this football team. And none of us are ever going to achieve perfection. But on our pursuit of perfection, we are going to achieve excellence. And that's what I want. I want y'all to be excellent football players. And I heard that and I said, that man still got it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you live in Green Bay and you play in frozen tundra and all that, I don't think your brain's right anyway. But I tell you, he was probably the motivator. How many did that speak to anybody? When you're chasing perfection, you might achieve excellence along the way. How many of you think we need some excellent dads on the journey? I do. In our world, so many people are growing up without dads. So this is not a message to try to say, man, well, my dad's absent or my dad's missing or I don't know my dad. I want to say, I'm, I'm paying for you. I'm sorry you didn't have a relationship with your earthly father or you do. 
I, I had a dad. He became a Christ follower eight years before his death, so I didn't have a Christian dad growing up. But I had a dad that loved me and a dad that taught me some values that were important for life and then having the joy of leading him to Jesus. But it didn't matter where you are, you be the one that changes your generation. Maybe you've got a great legacy of dads and grandfathers and you're, oh man, that's incredible. Or maybe you're going to be the first believer in your family. And one day, young guys, you're going to be called dad or you're called dad today. Pick up the example. Um, you know, a lot of times if we're not careful, we end up in the, in the wrong home. I heard this story. I thought it was great. The guy, he was, uh, I think he was in uh, Arkansas. We'll pick on Arkansas. Everybody picks on Alabama, Mississippi. I like pick on Arkansas. And that's where they married their cousins. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, they, they really don't. They do that here. And, uh, and uh, so he, he was in this storm. He was trying to get home. And he lived with all these patio homes. And they all kind of looked alike on, on a sunshine day. And it was this horrific storm. And he, he was driving home, and he, and he couldn't see, and he finally saw this one landmark. He went, oh, that, that's my neighborhood, and he pulled in, and all the houses looked the same, and everything was blowing, he knew his family was home, and he wanted to get to them and protect them, and so he pulled around back, and he went running up to the door, and he just started knocking on the door and approached it and said, hey, he said, hey, hey, nobody came, he said, hey, this is your sexy husband out here, come to the door, nobody came to the door, he said, hey, this is the father of your children, nobody came to the door, hey, hey, and by the time the woman opened the door, it wasn't his wife, and yeah, had, had, all these, had all these kids, like, you ain't my family, he got to the wrong home. Here's why I tell you that story. If we're not careful, we might have the wrong home because we're raising up the wrong example, the wrong home. And this morning, I've just given some quick keys, some principles about having an impact as I was thinking about our time together, making decisions that will influence your boys and girls' soul. It'll influence the people around them. Number one, I accept you for who you are. You know, I love to talk about the acceptance of the Father the scripture teaches we're accepted in the beloved in Jesus Christ, that we're valuable in his eyes. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, said the psalmist. And this morning, you need to hear that truth over and over. I need to hear this truth. I'm accepted in God. I'm accepted in Jesus Christ. We need to learn to accept our kids. If you listen to Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, listen to the word of God. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. The psalmist knew that he had a God DNA, that he was made in the image of his creator, and he was accepted in God. He was valued in Jesus Christ. So I want to make it practical. How do you value your kids? How do you value your grandkids? How do you value others? Do they know, I'm accepted? And some, I, I know you're saying, Keith, I really work at that hard. Or, or your kids would say, man, my mom does the best. My dad is so influential. I always feel it accepted. Our home was not critical. If you're not careful, you can get a negative home. And negativity just breeds contempt. And, and man, people don't want to be there. And they run from it. Um, a, a writer that I love to read, Max Locato just an incredible wordsmith off the chart he, he says he can't sleep at night and when he can't he just goes and he writes a chapter of the book that's not even fair but he talked he said this in the, uh, this thing called a kid he goes in the very close and he goes almost left out the best part a good dad has real strong arms and they catch me when i fall and he says you know 
my heavenly father's just like that too he catches me when i fall i don't know about you have you fallen lately it's so easy to fall to mess up but i want to move into point two here with you realize you don't have to be perfect now i know in here this morning if you were completely honest some of you go you're perfectionist everything in your house in your car in your life you have no margin for error you love the law you're not real big on grace just everything has a place and everything's so neat and you just you don't allow room for mistakes and it's one of the greatest principles i know we've got to allow room for mistakes dads our kids are going to blow it how many times did you blow it just think about your life if i i'm not going to tell you all my stories i do that all the time if i think about all the mistakes i've made my dad kept loving me he kept believing in me and i think about my kids they, they did a great job but you know they weren't perfect neither are yours and they made mistakes and i wanted them to know that the world culture tries to drive perfectionism the world tries to drive a girl supposed to have a certain kind of body and look just like this and if she doesn't she's too fat and then they get into all these eating disorders and then if the girl doesn't do this and the guy doesn't play ball and the guy didn't throw a 75 mile an hour fastball in the fifth grade something's wrong with him what I mean, just perf and, and if you don't make straight, you ever notice this? You come home with a report card. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. Here's my report card. And they're going down. They're going, A, A, B, B, A, D. What do you remember? D. And A for dandy. I mean, you're going, ah, oh, we got to talk. Or, or let's say your kids are really gifted. And they got A, A, A. I don't even like them, okay? A, A, A. I had kids like that. And then you got a B. And what do you tell them? Well, how come you got a B? And you know good and well, some of you are like, dude, when I got a B, my mama baked me a cake. You know, she was just celebrating. She was just glad. Hey, man, the boy got a B. She called your grandmama. She called everybody in the neighborhood. There was a banner. You got to have extra spend the night company. I know some of you are laughing. Some of you are like, I'm not laughing. It's the truth. Okay. Characteristics of perfection. I want you to write this down. This, you might want to go back to this. Characteristics of perfection. You're so self-critical. You criticize yourself all the time. You don't enjoy how God's made you. You don't enjoy others when they mess up. Secondly, you're easily embarrassed. You're embarrassed if you don't make the perfect mark. Perfectionistic kids tend to have low self-confidence many times because they're just they're overachievers, and if they, if they don't have this value of acceptance in their home, it can drive them they uh, have persistent anxiety anxiety fills their little soul and they begin to shake because they, they've got to perform they got to perform got to perform man let's let them be kids and the church said now i don't want you to raise a bunch of dummies that's not what i'm saying we want our kids to how many of you want your kids to do more than you ever did i pray that all the time god i want my kids to go a lot farther than don and i've ever dreamed of going I want them to accomplish more. I want them to do more. I want them to be more Christ-like. I want them to be more successful. God, I want this and this. God, I want immeasurably more, according to the book of Ephesians. God, do immeasurably more than I can think, ask, imagine, or dream, or pray for. God, you're the great God of heaven. You're a great God. They're a great kid. God, do it. But then you got to go, hey, sometimes they're not going to, in every area, sometimes perfectionistic kids are socially inhibited because they just have a hard time. They're emotionally guarded. They're afraid, like, man, if it's not perfect, and I don't know, some reason I'm just led to talk about this this morning because there's some people in here that are probably, and some of you are like, I got no problem with this perfectionism thing. I don't even know how to spell it. Don't even care about it. Don't even like people. My, you sound like you're talking about my mama. I don't know. Okay. Proverbs 22.6. Write down here Proverbs 22.6. For the message, it says, point your kids in the right direction. 
when they're old, they won't be lost. I like Proverbs 22, 6 from the NIV. You probably know it from this translation. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't turn from it. He won't depart from it. See, all of us have a bent, a bend. In that bent, God doesn't want us to raise our kids to be like us. That's our DNA. That's our custom design from a heavenly good father. He wants us to, them to be in the bent that he's made them. I meant to bring a clothes hanger out here. Okay, just think about a clothes hanger with me for a minute. Clothes hanger has a bent, and you, hold your, you hang your clothes on it. Now, a clothes hanger can have a bent to do a lot of things. I grew up in the 70s. We had these things called uh, door latches, and we didn't have them all built in the door. You know, you, now if you see one, you're like, what is that? Like, oh, that's how we got in the car. Pastor Keith learned how to break in a car. You know what I'm saying? Not anybody else's car. I wasn't delinquent. I learned how to get in my car because sometimes I've locked my keys in the car, okay? And how many of you, go ahead, if you're over 40, go ahead and be honest in God's house. Raise your hand if you learn how to use a coat hanger and get in your car after you're locked in. Look at all these people. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Have you figured out today? It don't work. Yeah, isn't that a shame? But it's probably good for crime. Okay, but there, there, there's a bent. There's another bent for uh, clothes hangers. You, you make a s'mores with it at a campfire, and you bend that thing. There's all kind of purposes that a coat hanger, and it bends. I'm thinking, you have a bent. What are you bent for? God's got a specific bent in your soul that he's made you to do great things for the glory of his name. Develop it. Unleash it. Ask God to coach it. Ask God to give you wisdom. Ask God to give you leadership every day. Oh, I want to see people becoming all that they can be. In, in, in the Greek here, the words polo, it means to be distinct. It, it means to be distinguished. That distinguished person, that distinguished thing. The third thing is this. Determine what will be the center of your home. This might be the most important thing I'm going to tell you. Determine who's going to be and what will be the center of your home. Now, I know you'll go, God, family, job, school, my dog, da-da-da-da, you go down to thing. No, in your heart, determine what will be the center of your home. Dads, God's called you to be the earthly priest. God's called us to be the spiritual leader. Determine what's going to be the center of this home. It's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. We'll follow Jesus Christ. We'll go after that. What does it look like? What does worship look like? Well, begin to get in Bible study. Come here on a regular basis. Learn from each other. But there's so many options. If you're not careful, sports is the middle. Family. You know, I hear people all the time, family's the most important thing in their home. Family's good, but family's not God. Did y'all hear me? Family is not Jesus Christ. Family is not above the Lord Jesus. Our allegiance is to Jesus. Okay, church? And I love family. I'm all about family. But I tell you what, I hear this preach sometimes. Ah, it's all about family. Family number one. Let's worship family. No, let's worship Jehovah. Let's worship the Father of heaven, the Father of the lights, the Father of redemption. Let's worship the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we've got to worship, church, not our family. You need to, man, I'm getting kind of fired up. My blood pressure, I thought it went up on that. I don't know. Because I hear it all the time. You know, you'll, you'll be flipping through the channels and like, ah, family, family number one. You make it to car. We're worshiping our family. You're saying they don't say that. Yeah, they do. If you're not careful, it becomes the preeminent priority of your life. I have people tell me sometimes, I can't tithe because I got a family. I got to do this for my family. The Lord Jesus is number one. You put Christ first and seek him with all your heart, and he'll put all the other stuff together, church. Wow, I'm feeling this in my soul. Yeah, you can clap. That's a good place to clap. There you go. Says somebody like, I ain't clapping about that, man. That's convicting. 
I don't want to just come here and tell you fun stories and go, oh, he talked about a clothes hanger today. He talked about him. I want you to talk about Jesus, okay? When you're driving, when you're playing, when you're walking, in Deuteronomy, it talks about writing on the table uh, to, uh, on, the, on your heart, put it on your doorpost. Look at Deuteronomy 6, 6, 6, different passages. Man, the Jews were so careful to remember God. We got to keep him at the center. I tell you this. Keep him at the center. My biggest, one of my biggest regrets. I, I think about it a lot now with our granddaughter because I'm older and mature and seasoned. And probably not crazy as driven as I was. Well, I'm pretty driven. I used to love bedtime, but I hated bedtime. Because bedtime meant I was going to have a little time with my wife. You know that person that you know, I started this whole thing with anyway? And bedtime was awesome. You know, the kids had you, and they're so fun. You play, and you play, and then it's bedtime, and you got your bath time, and oh, I love bath time. Bath time was awesome. We got to do that with our granddaughter last night. I was like, just go ahead and send me to heaven right now. This is awesome. Amen. So, but, but then you, you take them to bed, and, you know, you get to read them a story, tell them a story. Maybe you're a good storyteller. That's awesome. Tell them a story. And you had to pray with them. That was awesome. But I got to tell you, Pastor Keith was busy. And there's a time, like, my kids got real theological at bedtime. Hey, like, Dad, why did God make angels? Hey, why did Dad, God, why did God make you like that? Why do you have, you know, all, you know they ask you all these questions. And right now, if I could go back, because I've got a little more wisdom than I had then, I'd like to go back and celebrate bedtime a little bit longer. And spent a little bit more time on my knees with my kids. Oh, we did. And it was fun. But the truth was, a lot of times I was about half like, oh, okay, I got, got you. I mean, am I convicting anybody but me? Any of you like, man, we got, we got to get you to bed, man. We're exhausted. Like, we're going to bed, you know? Those kids, man, they're only, they're only small one time. So I, that's when I encourage some of you folks and, and just, you know, maximize and just talk to them about Jesus. You know, we, we used to have. Steve Green, that dates us. Hide them in your heart and all these little praise songs on cassette with a Walkman. <laughs> Kids are like, what is a Walkman? Okay, whatever. And now our granddaughter, she's got MP3s and stuff, and she goes to bed and she's listening. But her mom and dad had learned that from their family about filling the house with praise and worship. And so our little, little granddaughter goes off with those songs being sung of praise with the angels surrounding her. Just thought I'd share that with you. I thought it was encouraging. Matthew 22, 37 and 38. Listen to God's word. Jesus, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first, and this is the greatest commandment. Lord, thank you. Make Jesus. Hey, let me put it to you this way. I like to eat. Y'all probably figured that out. And I'm going to give you an analogy that everybody's going to get. You get a pie. And a lot of people, this is how they treat Jesus. Jesus gets to be a slice of my life. Isn't that nice? And Jesus gets to be a 16th of my life. Now Jesus is an eighth of my life. Oh, Jesus, you moved up to a fourth of my life. You're occupying 25% of my focus. Can I tell you something? Jesus don't care nothing about your slices. Jesus wants to be the pie villain. He wants to be the center. And I'm just thinking the centerpiece is Jesus. Just make him the center of your home. Now, this next section, if you got kids on here, glory to God, have fun this afternoon, but I got to talk about it. 
Make wise decisions about sexuality. I'm so sick of what the devil has done to the church of Jesus Christ and how he's prostituted sex and how he's cheapened sex and how he's ruined sex and how it fills boys and teenagers and young adults and old adults and how it's just got all messed up. God wants us to make good, godly decisions. Amen, church? And he wants us to do things with our kids, and he wants us to talk about that. I'll I, I put it this way. Let me, let me move down to this section. I'm, I'm going to skip a whole section because I, I want you to hear this. The whole thing about our, uh, it, this daily decision that, God, I want to honor you. I want to I put you first. I want to I let people know how important you are. Recent survey I read said that only 15% of parents even talk to their children about sexuality and teenagers. They just, just don't want to talk about it. I guess they figure they're going to learn it somewhere else. And they will learn it somewhere else. They'll learn it in the locker room. They'll learn it at school. They'll learn it on TV. And it ain't what you want. So I'm going to give you four teaching points real quick. Ready? I want you to write them in there. Share early and share often. You got young kids you're going to have to share earlier than we've ever shared before. I'm sorry. I hate that it's that way. But the truth is, if you're waiting until they're 12 and 13 and 14, if you're not careful, they're turning you off. They already know. And I think parents, I think godly dads have the responsibility to lead teaching in the home about sexuality. But here's what we do. I understand. I used to talk about sex around the country to teenagers. And, and, then, I, and then I had teenagers in our house. A lot harder when they're yours and they're somebody else's. But here's the deal. If you're not careful, you'll go, all right. Mama, why don't you do that? You know, I, you know, I ain't too good at that, you know. And you hand it off to your spouse, chicken. Okay, here's the other thing. You, as you talk about sexuality, I, I think we do it in such a God-honoring way. But if we're not careful, we go, now let's get that sex talk out of the way. It's like, all right, let me show you how absurd that is. Like, we're going to talk about sex one time. Now, son, daughter, I want you to get it because that's all we're ever going to talk about. It. That's like telling your kid, your kid. Now, I want you to brush your teeth and brush them hard and brush them fast. And that's the only time we're ever going to talk about dental hygiene. Now, how many parents have done that in this room? Your kids, wouldn't, we'd all have a toothless congregation. Everybody go, you go to Christ's community? All them kids, none of them have teeth, man. You know, they don't, you know, their parents talked about that one time. Johnny, he said, he didn't even know what his toothbrush was. He lost it. He didn't brush his teeth in three months. That'd be some nasty breath. You know what I'm saying? All right, or here's the other one. You know, you, you go, uh, okay, so the, the, the brushing teeth thing, how about this one? Now, Susie, I want you to clean your room. I'm, I'll give them a big clean the room talk. And that's the last clean the room talk you have. That's absurd, isn't it? You're saying, you got us hooked. I know I did. That's why I told you the story. How about with sexuality? I'm not, I'm not trying to get us to do inappropriate stuff, but I'm telling you, church, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up and to teach it in a godly fashion, honoring the Lord Jesus, and that we have a proper perspective. And the church said, I believe that. Some of you are like, I'll have to listen to this again. I don't know, man. Could you come over? No, I'm not going to come over. It's your responsibility. You're the dad. I'll help you. I'll try to give you materials, but I want you to do it. Number B, or number, how about letter B? <laughs> you know, give the basics to them. Body parts, how it all works, you know, ex you know exposing them to God's design and all that. you got to figure out when the appropriate time is, but don't, you know, don't just make it like they, don't, they leave it clueless. The third thing is give them God's standard on sexuality. We're custom designed by a Heavenly Father. He's created this. And you can walk through that about the purity of it and how it's God's way of blessing. I want you, daughter, I want you, son, to live with no regrets. Oh, I pray that God would allow us at Christ's community to raise godly homes in Jesus Christ. And we could do it around this area. 
And here's D. Pray for the purity of your kids. Pray for the protection of their souls and their minds and their bodies. Dads, it is your responsibility to pray for your kids. Lord God, would you guard their heart? Would you guard their body? Would you guard their mind? Dads, we can't be passive on this thing. We've got to stand in the gap. Because I'm telling you what, television and culture and music and everything is driving an agenda that won't wait. And the church of the living Christ has got to rise up and go, it is time for our home to be godly. Do you believe that, church? Come on, all right. Yeah, I, I tell you, that, that's kind of pitiful. I don't know, man. I mean, uh, uh, here we go. Because the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me get to the next point. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. God's will is for you to be holy. Stay away from sexual sin that each of you will control his own body. Live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who don't know God in his ways. Lord, give us grace. Give us words. Give us connectedness with our kids. The fifth point. Make your home a safe haven in the storms. I'm so grateful to Donna. She's always wanted to provide a place for me to have refuge for my soul and for my family and for our girls. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I want to say that publicly. And storms are going to happen. Storms are going to come to your house just like weather storms come. You just can't stop them. And there's going to be uh, spiritual and emotional and relational and uh, financial and physical and I mean whoever gets cancer or whoever gets sick or whoever doesn't have enough money or whoever bruises the feelings of somebody else I mean do y'all ever have storms or is it just happening at the Waldrop house you know they, they're in everybody's houses aren't they you know they come and we have to protect our house you're going well pastor I got a 357 Smith and Wesson that's how we protect our house well, I mean I suppose it would protect Well, pastor we got an alarm system we got one too Here's what I want you to do. I want you to trust the Lord. I want you to ask him for his protection and let him cover you and put him, uh, let him build the atmosphere. Listen to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. Lord God, you want to be a stronghold, a fortress, a deliverer, our refuge, and we'll run to you, Lord Jesus, and you'll keep us safe. And you'll give us peace. Homes become safe havens when what? When Jesus is invited to come and to rule in your home. That's what I ask you today. Invite Jesus to come rule in your house. In every home of your house, in every room of your house, Jesus, would you be Lord? Another way that we uh, build a safe haven. Wives, I encourage you to support your husband and follow your husbands. Husbands, I encourage us to love our wives as Christ loves the church and treasure them and lead them. That honors Jesus Christ. Lord, help us not to be domineering. Help us to be cherishing. Lord, help us to be like you. Lord, help us to give emotional support. Help us to be there. Lord, help us to love Scripture and let Scripture have authority in our homes that we read it in the morning, the noon, and the nighttime, and our Bibles are open, and we're beginning to chew on Scripture. And as we read earlier from Proverbs, and we're going to train our child in the way it should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. It doesn't mean there won't be some, some rebellion and some sin and some slip-ups and some mistakes and all kind of things, but I believe the Word of God, and I believe if we teach and we model and we trust and we follow this, I believe our kids will eventually end up on the road with Jesus. How about you, church? So, well, you know, it ain't working for us. I don't understand. Some of you are so godly, and your kids have given you some trouble, 
Some of you aren't maybe real godly, and your kids haven't given you trouble. Figure that one out. That's the sovereignty of God. That's bigger than my paycheck, okay? But some of you are like, man, we're trying to raise them with the principles of God because we know that to be right and true. And they're following Christ. Here, I want to give you this in the box. Three must-dos for dad. Really? Ready for this? you got to hear your kids. you you, you got to hear them. you got to listen to them. you got to sit down with them. And as they get older, it gets to be more fun. It really does. This morning, I had breakfast with my youngest daughter. And just got to hear a little bit about her life and her about my life. And she celebrated her dad. Last night, I got to celebrate with my oldest daughter and son and, uh, and, and my kids. And, man, that was awesome. Just here. Here's, here's the next one. I love this one. Hug them. You can't hug your kids enough. Do y'all believe that? That's why I hug you. I know some of you don't like hugs, and I can tell your body language tells me. When I walk up to you, you, you do this. You, you know, you're just like, oh, preacher's going to hug me. Oh, help him, Jesus. And I know, and I've learned how to read body language, and I come up and I just give you a little soft hug, and I'll bless you, and I go on and go, oh, they didn't really like that. And then some of you want to knock me down when you see me. Oh, pastor, I'll hug. But hug your kids. Hug them. I'm going to be hugging my kids to the time I draw my last breath. It is a joy, is it not, church? You're like, well, my dad, he wasn't a hugger. He hugged a tree once, but he don't hug people. Well, bless your dad. He missed out. You know what I'm saying? You be the one. You, some of you are like, well, I'm just not affecting it. Oh, bull malarkey. Whatever. All right. Here, hug. Here's the third one. Help them. Help your kids. Just help them. Help them, Jesus. <laughs> Help them however they need it. Listen to their cries. Listen to whatever it is. Hey, uh, I, I, I wrote this down. Unhealthy homes ignore the pain. Healthy ones identify the pain. Let me say that again. Write this down. Unhealthy homes ignore the pain in their home relationships. But healthy homes identify pain. And they take it to Jesus and they cry out to him. The sixth point, enrich the spirit of your home. Make it a great place. Some of you, I understand, you want to make your home like the Old Testament. All law and rules, and we follow, and we're good rule followers, and we have a rule for everything, and we even have a rule about brushing your teeth. There's 27 rules about brushing your teeth. And then we have to make up our bed. My dad was in the military, and this is how you make up a bed. you got to be able to flip a dime off of it. And you're like, I'm coming over right now. We're going to do an exorcism on your dad this afternoon, okay? I understand. But I'm, I hope, and the law is important. I'm not trying to minimize it. But I want New Testament dads. How about you, church? Homes that are full of grace and law and mercy and love and forgiveness and security and safety. Listen to Psalm 126.2. I wrote this down. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy and the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Make your house a house that laughs a lot. You, you, you can write in there, laugh. Laugh in your home tell funny stories recall what happened that day it's just how many of you think laughter is good medicine oh no we just cry around our house and we're just bitter and we just cuss well get a new focus okay laugh sing dance my, my kids i'll never do it for you i used to do the bill cosby elevator dance for them on stage or not on stage i ain't gonna say hey i'm pretty secure i ain't that secure for y'all to get up here and dance like bill cosby but just dance just laugh it's, it's, it's fine. I'll give you permission. God wants you to laugh. Here's the second one. Be thankful. Just be thankful for the blessings. Be thankful for your kids. Change your thinking. I know today we live in a day of social media, and your kid got a bad Facebook 
post and they're all bummed out well turn facebook off don't watch it don't don't watch it don't don't you know don't view it just uh, you know and then other people are like oh, i got a good facebook post everybody's my friend they all you know can, can i just be honest i just gotta tell you i just think this facebook thing is hilarious okay I like it, and I got on it when it first came out, and I, and I went to therapy for a while because it just messed me up. And now staff jokes me. I got, I don't know, I got 13, 1,400 friends and could have a lot more. But they ain't my friends. Like, dude, I ain't seen them in 30 years. Hey, you be my friend. Let's have lemonade and, you know, make mud pies. Whatever. They just want to know my business. They just nosy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Somebody was saying, man, he just nailed us, didn't he? All I'm saying is, and then people get a bad face. They wouldn't be my friend. I don't know why they're not being your friend. Maybe they're busy. Maybe they got a life. Maybe they got something else to do. I don't know. I mean, there's good. I'm not slamming it. We use Facebook as a church and it communicates. But I need to say this. I got I to get it out of the way. Don't ask me to do something for you through Facebook. Would you please call Pastor Keith if you need me? Because sometimes people are like, I put it on Facebook. Well, if you put it on Facebook for me to get it, man, yeah, you better send a, send a smoke signal. You know what I'm saying? Okay, let's go ahead. All right, but be thankful. Honor your home. Honor the kids that live there. Pursue God. Look at the seventh one. This is critical. Dedicate your life to living a life of holiness. I think this fall or sometime over the next year, I'm going to preach a series on holiness. I just feel like God's called me to that. I want you to listen to the word of the Lord. See if this resonates with your soul as I try to land this thing in a moment. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. In the New Living Translation, it says, So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. The New International Version says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and they're fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7, the writer says, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. As I'm closing up this morning, I want you to see a video clip from a film that Don and I went to when it came out. It's powerful. I watched it again this week, and I said, man, this is what I really want to say. I want you to see a clip from the movie Courageous. This is powerful. If you haven't seen this movie, I endorse this for your family. It's so good. Watch the screen. I now believe that God desires for every father to courageously step up and do whatever it takes to be involved in the lives of his children. But more than just being there, providing for them, he's to walk with them through their young lives and be a visual representation of the character of God, their father in heaven. The father should love his children and seek to win their hearts. He should protect them discipline them and teach them about God. He should model how to walk with integrity and treat others with respect. And should call out his children to become responsible men and women who live their lives for what matters in eternity. Some men will hear this and mock it or ignore it. But I tell you that as a father, you are accountable to God for the position of influence he has given you. You can't fall asleep at the wheel, only to wake up one day and realize that your job or your hobbies have no eternal value, but the souls of your children do. Some men will hear this and agree with it, but have no resolve to live it out. 
Instead, they will live for themselves and waste the opportunity to leave a godly legacy for the next generation. But there are some men who regardless of the mistakes we've made in the past, regardless of what our fathers did not do for us, will give the strength of our arms and the rest of our days to loving God with all that we are and to teach our children to do the same. And whenever possible, to love and mentor others who have no father in their lives, but who desperately need help and direction. And we are inviting any man whose heart is willing and courageous to join us in this resolution. In my home, the decision has already been made. You don't have to ask who will guide my family, because by God's grace, I will. You don't have to ask who will teach my son to follow Christ, because I will. Who will accept the responsibility of providing and protecting my family? I will. Who will ask God to break the chain of destructive patterns in my family's history? I will. Who will pray for and bless my children to boldly pursue whatever God calls them to do? I am their father. I will. I accept this responsibility and it is my privilege to embrace it. I want the favor of God and his blessing on my home. Any good man does. So where are you men of courage? Where are you fathers who fear the Lord? It's time to rise up and answer the call that God has given to you and to say, I will, I will, I will. Well, guys, there it is. Who? will be courageous. I will. Will you dads? Will you moms? Will you be courageous and follow Christ for the sake of the glory of God and for the sake of the next generation? We've got a great song. I'm going to invite everybody to rise to your feet and we're going to uh, sing this together. And as you're doing that, Let's pray. Lord, we have decided to follow you, I pray, in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would invite you to be the center of our lives today. And that Jesus Christ, you would cover us by your blood, redeem us, and we would follow you. Jesus, you are Lord. Father, thank you for this day, for these men, and these women, and these boys and girls that have gathered. Give us courage. Revive us today, O oh God, in Jesus' name.